What do you do when you're told to move a mountain? You don't grab a shovel and a wheelbarrow. That'd be silly. But you don't do nothing either. What's the best approach to mountain moving? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Time I was a child, I have always been captivated by David's mighty men of valor. If you're into superheroes, you're going to love 2 Samuel 23, where those guys are described. 2 Samuel 23, 8, Bashabeth raised his spear. He's the chief. He's the leader of the group. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Uh, Next to him, verse 9, was Eleazar at Pasdam, and the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Verse 11, next to him was Shammah. When the Philistines banded together, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shammah stood his stand, took his stand in the middle of a field, and he defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. 1 Samuel 14 is similar. Uh, similar. Uh, Josh, Jonathan wipes out a whole Philistine garrison by himself, just him and his armor bearer. Uh, he's, he, the way he does it, he kills the first 20 men, and after that, the rest of them panic and run away. And then it says, very explicitly, the panic came from the Lord. Now, you notice the theme in each one of those. Every one of those, uh, in each case, the man did the fighting. The victory came from the Lord. Right? William Carey put it well. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That's what each one of those men did, and God did do great things through each one of them. Last week we found that Scripture calls for strenuous effort to obey. Um, the argument of Philippians 2, 12-13 is not... God is at work in you, therefore stop trying, uh, stop working, and just just yield. That's not the message. That's not the logic. The argument is, God is at work in you, therefore work your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the argument. The fact that God is the author of our salvation and our sanctification and all of our spiritual growth and and, and development and progress does not imply that we should be passive. That's not the right conclusion to draw. Rather, it implies that we should be active and we should take that activity very, very seriously with fear and trembling. That's as far as we made it in last week's sermon and then ran out of time and stopped. So, so... Last week's was a, kind of a heavy sermon, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was a lot. It was, uh, I imagine some of you left last week feeling pretty overwhelmed or maybe guilty or discouraged or burdened. It's typically the kind of feedback I get after a sermon like that. You've been, you've been working as hard as you can at your Christian life not, and still not getting very good results. And then you hear a sermon about how the solution is to work even harder and it just uh, doesn't seem like it fits with passages like Matthew 11 where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. What do you do? 
when you, your Christian life does not feel like an easy yoke. It doesn't feel like rest. It's burdensome. It's overwhelming. It's too much. Well, one simple phrase that I think might help uh, when you feel that way, when you start to feel overwhelmed, that can, really summarizes the message of Philippians 2, 12 and 13, is simply this. Just remember, your work, God's power. Your work, God's power. If you feel overwhelmed in the Christian life, very often the reason is you, you, you slip into an attitude, my work, my power. Right? I have to supply the power to do all this, and then that's when it's overwhelming. You can't do it. I'd like you to imagine something for a second. Imagine uh, preparations being made to put in a subdivision in a certain area, and you're, you're working, you're on the job. But the problem is there's a big 500-foot-high mountain right in the middle of this area where they want to do the subdivision, and you're given the task, move that thing. Move that mountain. Now, that assignment is a good illustration of basically the Christian life. Sermons like last week. When I stand up here and I tell you, obey God, humble yourself before God, humble yourself before one another, let go of pride and selfishness, love your neighbor as you love yourself, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I I stand up and I give commands like that from Scripture. I might as well be just telling you, move a mountain. Just, Just relocate the Rockies. Right? And... When you hear that, how do you respond? Some Christians will hear that and they'll, they're like, okay, and they grab a shovel and wheelbarrow and they just get at it. Now, imagine you're on that job site and you're given this task and you're there with your shovel and you're going after and your supervisor comes up to you and says, what are you doing you, with that shovel? That's not going to do anything. You do that your whole life. You're not going to make a dent in that mountain. We've got equipment that can handle that. We've got, we've got machines that can, he shows you this big, giant earth mover machine, you know, these huge things that can do that kind of thing. And he explains to you, look, that's the kind of power you're going to need. If you're going to do this task, you're going to need that kind of power. It's not going to come from you and your shovel. And so you say, ah, okay, I understand now. I get it. I can't do this with my own effort. It's a machine that has the power. And so you, you get a lawn chair out, and you kick up your feet, and you lay back, and you just, you just keep thinking to yourself, the power of the machine, the power of the machine, and, 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 and that's your approach. Well, not before long, you get another visit from your supervisor. And after a brief conversation, you get this the distinct impression that he's just not really fully on board with this whole lawn chair approach. And he tells you in no uncertain terms, get up off of that chair... Get in that earth mover and get to work. Get busy. So you go over to the earth mover and you start uh, climbing up the ladder to get inside that thing. And you make it up. It's a big ladder. You make it like a third of the way up the ladder and and you're huffing and puffing and you're just like uh, all this climbing is just getting so monotonous and, and it's just a lot of climbing and it's burdensome. And so so you stop And you look out over that mountain and it just still seems like it's just as big as ever. And so you get discouraged, you climb back down, you give up. And you keep doing that. Every day you keep doing that. Some days you you make it further than other days. One day you make it all the way up to the top of the ladder and and actually get in the driver's seat. But you find the thing is really hard to get into gear and you just like give up, you get discouraged, you quit. 
One day you actually get it in gear, but then you find out steering that thing, it's like really complex and complicated and it requires some training and you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to, and you get discouraged and you give up. That little story uh, illustrates a few different ways we can uh, fail in the Christian life. We can fail by trying to do it in our own strength, right? Living the Christian life in your own strength, that's like... Um, Using human wisdom, instead of following God's word, you get psychology and you get uh, just your own uh, gut feeling and instincts and 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 uh, conventional wisdom and common sense and everything. And you're just trying to operate that way and instead of doing what the Bible says. And it's just human strength. There's no power behind it. Um, that's the guy with the shovel. Or you can fail in the Christian life by becoming a quietist. Right, just just let go, let God. I'm going to just wait around and act, and wait for God to act. That's the lawn chair guy. Or we can take a third approach. We can we can strive to activate this massive divine power that we have access to, and not use our own strength, but work to activate that. But when we try that and we find it difficult, we get discouraged and quit. That's the latter guy. What should happen in that little story? Well, what should happen is the guy should just go ahead and get whatever training he needs to get to, to, to drive that thing. He should build up whatever strength he needs to build up to be able to get up that ladder and to, to get the thing in gear and everything else. And he should gain whatever skill he needs to properly utilize the power of that machine. And then after he's done all that, he just needs to get to work. And work hard. He needs to get up out of bed every day, show up to work on time, work that thing all day, run that machine all day, and after a hard day's work, go home, get some rest, get up the next day, and do it again. And do that again week after week, month after month, and eventually that mountain will be gone. That's how you have success in the Christian life. Your work, His power. Your work, His power. David's mighty men accomplished great things how how did they do it they did the fighting god gave the victory right they did the fighting now did they did they were they quietest did they let go and let god did they just stop striving and stop trying no no the moment they stop striving and trying they get their head chopped off <laughs> they're in a battle they need to they need to fight shema didn't let go and let God. He didn't let go at all. He's, his hand cramped around the sword. He couldn't even let go of it. He's working so hard. And you can bet those men walked away from those battles with some wounds. I'm guessing David's mighty men of valor had some interesting scars. I'm thinking after those, after they, they, they defeated the whole Philistine army, army uh, trying to defend a field, the, the next day they wake up with some sore, sore muscles. No. They... Fought, God provided the victory. Your work, His power. So, what's the quick, easy secret to living the Christian life? I I had some um, some questions come up last time after the sermon, and some people kind of had that. It's like I think I missed the the quick, easy secret to the Christian life. What, What was it again? The quick, easy secret to the Christian life is that there's no quick, easy secret. You want to overcome sins of the flesh in your life? Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. There it is, right there. Very straightforward. 
Very easy to understand, but easy to do? <laughs> no. I mean, walk by the Spirit. That's like saying, use the earth mover. Use the earth mover and you'll be able to move a mountain. But walking by the Spirit is its like operating on a heavy machine. I mean, it requires some instruction. It requires some training. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourselves to be godly. It requires training. If you want to learn how to operate a machine, you need to get up into that glove box and pull the owner's manual out of that thing and study what the owner's manual says about how to operate this Christian life. And what you're going to find is 27 books just in the New Testament on how to do this thing. There's no quick, simple, easy answer. There's plenty of power available, but... Don't climb up halfway up the ladder and then get discouraged because the mountain's not gone yet. Picture a little five-year-old boy who sees some professional athlete and says, man, I want to be like him. I want to have a body like that. Uh, What what do you tell? What's what's the quick, easy uh, way to do that? (laughs) No quick, easy way, right? You tell him, look, that's going to take years of time. You're going to have to eat thousands of meals, uh, lots of exercise, sleep, uh, getting the right nutrition, um, die, go to the doctor when you're sick or injured, and all kinds of other stuff. You're going to do all that stuff for years and years. If you just go and do a couple of push-ups and drink a protein shake and then look in the mirror and get discouraged because you don't, still don't look like that athlete, that's not going to work. Keep learning, keep growing, keep studying more and more about what the Bible says about how to draw near to God, how to cooperate with what God is doing. Find out in the Bible. Don't just go by your intuition. Find out from the Bible what God is doing in your life and what the Bible says about how to cooperate with that and work as hard as you can at doing that. And, and And then when you get discouraged or you get overwhelmed, get your encouragement from the fact that The more you learn how to cooperate with what God is doing, the more the power of that giant earth mover machine is going to be activated in your life. When Moses and the Israelites were fleeing from Egypt, they got hemmed in at the Red Sea, and so they're trapped. It's like, ocean, Uh uh-oh, here comes Pharaoh's army. We're stuck, we're trapped. And so they cry out to God, and then then Moses says in Exodus 14, 13, Moses says, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So stand still and and watch God deliver you. That's what Moses said. Well, that's close, Moses, but not quite right. Because the very next verse, listen to what God says. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to move on. So, So then they start moving, and then what happens? The Red Sea parts, and God does the great act of deliverance after they start moving. See, it's not stand still and watch God work. It's move on and watch God work. Your work, his power. That's how you can work hard, and still he gets all the credit, right? He gets all the glory. What good is it going to be if you, even if you could move that mountain with your shovel? Who would get the glory for that? You would, right? Everyone would be impressed with all your amazing shoveling. But if you were, what if there were a subdivision, that story were true, and there's a subdivision, this huge mountain is there, and all the neighbors that live in the nearby subdivision, and they saw that thing, they saw those machines working, and all of a sudden that mountain's gone. Do you think anybody would have a reaction and say, wow, the driver of that thing must be one powerful individual? I don't think anybody would think that, right? They probably wouldn't even enter their mind about the driver. Even though he worked hard, he got up every day, he's there, he's working hard. 
I don't think anybody would think about that. They would just be amazed at the power and the size of that machine. Follow this approach. Your work, his power. People are impressed with him, his power, because of the great things that get accomplished. If you're a Christian, you have your hand on the levers of power. Awesome power. More power than any secular politician or CEO or billionaire or influencer. The Holy Spirit is awesome. He can move the hearts of a billion people all at once. He dwarfs the greatest force you can think of. Go ahead, use your imagination. Think of the most powerful thing you can dream up. The Holy Spirit dwarfs that power. And you have your hands on the levers of the power of the Holy Spirit. He has invited you to come to him and make requests, and he said he will listen. God's Spirit lives in you. He has packed his omnipotent power into a capsule inside you called your spiritual gift. He infused his word with divine power and then placed it in our hands. The gospel that has the power to turn the world upside down has been placed at your disposal. You have your hands on the levers of unimaginable power. What will you do with that power today? And what are some goals you could set to use that power in the year to come? Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts, Father. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness. O oh God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. 
He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Father, awaken me to the reality that that power is what is at work in me. Enlighten the eyes of my heart in order that I may know your incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of your mighty strength which you exerted in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. You have made me a jar of clay containing your mighty power. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. I pray for my family and friends, Lord. Out of your glorious riches, strengthen all of us with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Now to you who are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.